Welcome, listeners. This is another episode of the fun podcast, Kendall vs. Kendall, where myself and my esteemed fellow co-host, Seth Kendall of Jensen USA, (laughs) yes, discuss everything related to the world of mountain biking. Today's episode is about hardtails and single speeds. Seth, haven't talked to you in a little while. How's it going? Oh, man. Kind of crazy, right? Like, uh, we got this whole COVID, corona thing going on, and life is definitely different than the last time we talked. Um, Yes. But, you know, uh, family is healthy, happy, safe. Uh, My wife works as a physician, so it's always a little bit of a scary thing, right? Sending her Yeah. Is she family med? Uh, She's OB-GYN, so babies and and lady parts and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So she's probably like not heavily impacted. She's not having to work in intensive care, coronavirus wards. Right. Yeah. She's yeah. still, uh, in fact, they've upped the ante a little bit on uh, PPE, you know, coverage stuff to make sure yeah. she's safe. Um, but, you know, it's still just a thing. And there's always the possibility that she could get called to do something that's more oh, um, preventative yeah. care. Um, but the good side is, is that the predictions and models are showing Oregon to actually have a pretty good, um, trajectory for it with fairly low cases. So that's awesome. And the low population density of Oregon is probably helping too. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, especially where we're at, it's even lower. Um, so kind of crazy. Um, how about you guys on your end? Well, my wife's a family med physician, and she hasn't had any patients with it yet, but they have been administering tests. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much I can say, but there have been positive tests in town. Mm-hmm. So she's been in the same building at the same time as people that have tested positive. Yeah. So that's a little bit, a little bit scary. But at the same time, it really seems like the biggest sense of source of transmission is human to human contact and being right. close to people. Yes, you can get it from a door handle, but it's going to be a lot less likely than hugging someone who has it. Yeah. So we're doing as much as we can, trying to be as safe as we can and just staying optimistic. Generally, we're doing well, though. I'm loving the extra time at home with my daughter. I've brought my whole work setup back into the house, including my shop, my actual gym setup. and. Yeah, it's been working out pretty well. And then I've got my editing computer and all my heart. I've got like over 100 terabytes of hard drives here at the house. And it's amazing. I have a window to our forested backyard that's right next to me. And it's I really like this setup, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of where we're at with our house. We have a great view out of my office here. And so, yes, you do. Um, you know, it's kind of beautiful. And for me, this is all normal. I work from home. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah. uh, it's interesting watching my coworkers who don't work this way and how they're coping with it. And, uh, you know, working from home sounds awesome all the time, but there's some definite challenges, as I think a lot totally. of people are learning. So. That's why I literally, like, by choice, pay for an office and work not at home quite a bit, because there's something to be said for separation between family and work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, but it's been good. Uh, you know, I got my kid onto uh, a better um, bike this before this all kind of landed. It was closer to late Christmas area, but we got him on like a one of those early rider bikes. Super oh, nice. nice. Yeah, um, like crazy lightweight, sixteen inch wheel and all that. And man, it has like changed how he rides as a kid. Cool. And he's super confident. He's trying. So things. this has a freewheel. Yeah, so this is a, a, a geared freewheel with a belt drive. Interesting. Uh, geared with a belt drive. Yeah, and then uh, wow. handbrakes and all that kind of stuff. And 
Yeah, pretty pretty cool little setup, and uh, we just ran into somebody who was selling one used, a buddy of ours, and we were like, uh, cool. yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> Dude, that's um, awesome. And so, like, you know, in all of this COVID stuff, we've been finding time to really just spend a lot of time with him and, yeah. uh, you know, hanging out and stuff, and uh, yeah, it's been... There's upsides, you know, like it, it's weird to think that being on quarantine would have upsides, but there are things that are good. Dude, I could go on and on about how nice it is to have this change. But at the same time, I feel very selfish thinking that way when people like I haven't had anyone in my immediate circle have big complications or pass yeah. away. And I know that is happening. So yeah. I don't want to uh, I feel torn about it because there are kind of two sides to it. And another topic, I would love to do a podcast all about kids' bikes and getting kids into mountain biking and biking with kids. So I think if the listeners here would like to hear that podcast, email Seth, it's skendall at jensenusa.com. That is correct. K-E-N-D-A-L-L at Jensen. Yeah. Yep. And, or email me, Jeff Kendallweed at Gmail, and just let us know that you'd like to hear a, a podcast about kids' bikes and what specific topics within that realm would be interesting to you. I know we're generally a mountain biking podcast, so mountain biking with kids could be a great starter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I actually have done some cool stuff recently on this. Um, I, I know you've ridden a bit with your daughter and stuff, but I've played around oh, with so every, much. <laughs> everything from like trailers to now I'm using that kids ride shotgun seat and stuff. That thing's cool. Yeah. So there's a, there's a bunch of different uh, stuff that we've tried out and yeah. And Jensen's actually growing this category. So this would be a great time for us to talk about it. So dude, I'm literally editing a video with the uh, intense taser e-bike that Jensen lined up for me to ride where yeah. I had the Mac ride on there and Mac ride now makes nice. an e-bike adapter kit. Yeah. I saw I saw that. I saw that. That's yeah. so cool. And honestly, that's a really cool setup because the Mac ride is fairly, you know, it weighs a couple pounds, mm-hmm. kids 30 pounds, mm-hmm. changes the handling of the bike. On the e-bike, it's nowhere near as noticeable because when the bike's 50 pounds and you add 30 to it, yeah. it's nowhere near as big of a change as 30 up to 60. So yeah, it's kind of cool. And then with the motor on there on the steeper climbs and stuff, you're just chilling, hanging out with your kid and you get less of a workout, but I think it's more of a, it's, a lower heart rate, but sustained. And I think yeah. it actually does burn more calories because I've noticed I've lost weight while riding the e-bike a lot. Nice. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably similar to uh, riding your normal bike without the kid on it once you actually <laughs> compensate. You know, like. <laughs> Technically so. wise, sort of. But, yeah. <laughs> but anyways, well, let's kick into uh, hardtails and single speeds and all that. Um, yes, that's why we're here today. Let's let's talk about those things. Uh, so before we get on that, I mean, like Jeff, in your lineup, I think we, we have a good idea of what kind of bikes we're seeing in there because, well, you're on YouTube and do all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Um, so, you know, you're primarily, um, full suspensions now, right? You know, I do have a lot of hardtails and I've had more hardtails than full squish bikes for most of the last couple of years here, Okay. but I just never post videos from the hardtails. I currently have a dirt jump bike, which mm-hmm. I call a hardtail. Mm-hmm. I've got a trials bike, which is a hardtail and it's got a rigid fork. So rigid all the way. All right. Yeah. I've got my Ibis Mojo tie from 1995. That thing's so cool. Sketchy. It's a one of bit. my favorite so bikes. Cool. Oh, and we're going to talk about that bike a bunch in this episode. Cool. And then I've recently added that Chromeg stylus to the yeah. quiver. So I've got, that's four pretty dialed hardtails right there. And I want to say I've got four full squish bikes at the moment. The Orbea, the Taser, the HD5, the Ripmo V2. Technically, I've got five with the Ripmo AF, but I'm planning to keep that in Sedona moving forward. It's a oh. bike for Arizona. Yeah, that's cool. I dig that. 
Um, Yeah. So, you know, currently uh, with moving from where I was at in the Midwest while my wife did residency to here, I have definitely reduced my count of hardtails. Um, But I definitely had a lot while I was over there um, and tried several different ones during that tenure. Um, I, I still have my dirt jumper and my BMX bike and your BMX bike. Awesome. Yeah. You know, (laughs) at this point I'm mostly keeping it around for when my kid gets big enough to ride it. Uh, cool. Cause I, I'm just getting older and I I start hurting more when I fall. Yes. Um, (laughs) but I still ride it. It's super fun. It's fun to like kind of hone in little tricks and stuff. Um, and then uh, beyond that, I had a beautiful tie hardtail that I actually Ooh. sold to a buddy. Yeah, and back when it was Advocate Cycles, the Hey Duke, and now it is Esker Cycles. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm really hoping to visit those guys up in, it's Whitefish, Montana, yep. right up in the yep. north by the border. I met Anders and Tim at Sea Otter back when we had Sea Otter two yeah. years ago. <laughs> I would love to go check those guys' headquarters out and everything. That's cool. So you sold the tie. Yeah. So it was called the Advocate. Okay. Oh, man. Yeah. It was an advocate at the time. And it was really cool. Their business model, like a portion of your, the, you know, sale proceeds went to um, advocate for cycling stuff. And so that was what cool. was really cool. Um, but that thing was amazing. And like you could do uh, plus tires on it, 27.5, 29. Um, and tie just has such an amazing feel to it. Um, but right now I currently, well, I actually have more hardtails than I have full suspensions because I'm in between bikes thanks to COVID. Uh, <laughs> it, it's, Ibis unfortunately had to, uh, close things down for a little bit. And so I was going to say, I want to pour a little tea out for your poor Ritmo you sold yeah, off. I sold my V1 Ritmo to another buddy and he's stoked on it, loving it. And cool. Then found out that my V2 would be a little while, but that's all right. Our trails are closed right now anyway. So, you know, but, uh, yeah, man, like I, I definitely have a passion and a love for hardtails and it's something that kind of grew on me like mold. I'll have to say, because (laughs) you mean slowly or unwantedly both. Um, (laughs) so, you know, if we go back even before I started working at Jensen, I I rode with a bunch of guys and we were all Mm -hmm. this, like, uh, it was like we were trying to mimic new world disorder, right? Like that was our thing. We just wanted to huck big hills and we were just going out into the back, like the back hills of, uh, Riverside, Loma Linda, that kind of area in Southern California. Um, And we were just digging these like stupid lines that didn't make sense. And we weren't talented and we were just like sending stuff and hoping we made it. And some of the times we did, some of the times we didn't. Um, But it was always on full squish bikes. Like I actually go, uh, man, I had the uh, Santa Cruz... Oh, oh, was it the bullet or the super eight? The bullet with that crazy head angle that was that got worse <laughs> as you use suspension by a long shot. Um, and so I was like known for going over the bars on that thing. Um, but you know, that was like kind of my background was like I just Seth wanted to Bender be that guy. Kendall. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um I ran into a buddy or I met a guy, Andy McMullen, uh, who we've talked about a few times on this, who Worked at Jensen at the same time I did. We got hired on almost exactly at the same time. And he's this Midwest kid who was in love with, like, custom-built steel 29er hardtails. And I just remember thinking, like, why would you ride those things? What's the point? Like, I just don't get it. 
And it took a long time for him to kind of convince me to go out on some of his bikes and try it out. And I got it, but it wasn't really until I moved to the Midwest and you just kind of realize there's a lot of like flowing up and down there. There's, um, you know, not as much steep. There's not as much gnarly and stuff. And you start going, man, maybe I don't need this suspension. And it, for me, that was a, an eye opener. But what's interesting is I, I got introduced to this because of mellower trails but ultimately, I found myself riding just as gnarly of stuff on my hardtails as I was on my yep. my full squishes, and the techniques it built was amazing. And yeah. and that's really where I think hardtails shine is is this technique that they create. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my history with hardtails, and it's where I actually got into single speeding. Again, Midwest is fantastic for single speeding. Totally. Right? Like, in, Same with the Southwest, too. A lot of the Arizona trails, pretty darn good. Yeah, right? Like where you don't have these like crazy long sustained climbs and then big long descents, it really works out because you can get that kind of you know magic gearing of, of just enough effort up but just enough yeah. speed down. Um, and I found that challenging here, and that's actually one of the reasons I sold the Hey Duke is I <sighs> I found myself climbing it because I had it in single speed setup. It could be gear okay. too, um, but I found myself climbing, 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 and just pushing these big gears or, or small gears in order to you know get up, and then I would like bomb down, and I just couldn't have the speed I wanted, or I'd switch up the gearing and be just murdered on the way up the hill. So I found myself a little frustrated with the single speed here. Yeah. But man, so many other places, it's like, again, the technique and stuff that it teaches you is just unbelievable how good it makes you. Totally. I don't even think it's so much how long the climbs are, it's how steep the climbs are. Yep. Yeah. Because back in Santa Cruz, I loved my single speed setup. That was one of my favorite bikes. And the, my average ride, just to get to the top of the hill, and I normally do that two or three times a ride, that was a 2,400 foot climb. Yeah. But I can make the whole thing in my two to one ratio, no problem. So it's just like, it's a different, you know, it's not as steep, not by any means as steep. Around here, I'll see 25% grades on occasion. And in Santa Cruz, you're cruising up 10, just chilling, no big deal. In Marin County, going up Mount Tamalpais, there's a few Mm -hmm. punchy sections for sure, but there's also a lot of trails that weren't all that crazy steep. So you could, I don't know, like down there, you could get away with a lot better up here. And I mean, we're pretty geographically, honestly, pretty close between Hood River and Bellingham, but there's a lot of big flat plains in between us as well. And just, we're both at mountainous spots where it's steep enough that gears can be so (laughs) good. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I love what single speeding does to make you realize how few gears you actually need and that's totally that's not to take away like i'm full on with this whole 12 speed stuff i (laughs) i ordered the new xt stuff because it looks amazing it's Um, really good i've got it on my hardtail and i like it yeah like i'm i'm full on but you you start to learn while you're out on the trail just what your body is capable of and even without going into like a crazy pain cave like you just learn how to maintain your flow and your momentum better on a single speed because you have to. Like if you're going to totally. be quick, you have to learn how to really read the trail and and use every little piece of energy that you can. Um, 
So I, I'm a huge fan of single speeding. I do have a little bit of a lament that I think frame manufacturers are looking less and less at the single speed world. And mm. so we're having to do things like you did with your Chromag where, you know, you have the singulator, to use, yeah. yeah, you have to use a singulator or something. And while those things work, there is something less beautiful about it and yeah. less just, you know, refined and stuff like it is amazing when you just look at a beautiful bike with like no cables running to the back except the brake and stuff like that. You know, it's just Oh man. It's it's pretty. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh we've talked a, quite a bit about our kind of history, our bikes in our collection, but let's talk a, a bit about like what people might be looking for out there. So, um what types of hardtails are there that that we're seeing? These days. Dude, I don't even have great terms for them, but there's the more aggressive, modern, new school ones that a lot of people are talking about yep. in the enduro trail riding circles. So that you've got the Norco Torrent for issue, Norco, for instance. Yeah. The Chromeg, the complete Chromeg lineup fits within that. <laughs> the Doctor Hawk. <laughs> oh my goodness, that takes 62 head angle, the 180 29er. <laughs> I, I want to ride it. I don't know that I'll ever own that bike, but man, do I want to try it just to but see. But for the Whistler trails, it makes a lot of sense. Like it's designed to shred in Whistler where it's super steep up yep. and super steep down. You're not going very fast on the descent, but you're dropping off some gnarly stuff. Yep, exactly. Exactly. It's a, it's a purpose made machine for sure. Totally. But it's got its place, you know? And yeah. Maybe you're not going to ride dirty Kansas on it, but is that <laughs> what it's called? The Kansas the, gravel race? Yeah. The dirty Kansas. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 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 So it's got its place. Just like you're not going to take like, you know, a Cervelo time trial P3 or whatever and take it on your mountain bike trail. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, we definitely have that in. And I always look to the Chromag guys as as the proving grounds for what those hardtails are capable of. I personally haven't ridden with them, but I know several people at Jensen who have. And like, these are riders that I'm like, yeah, you're a good rider. And they were struggling to keep up oh, with man. those guys on their <laughs> trails, you know, like, and so I'm hoping one of these days we can get you up there because yeah, me too. I would love to see, you know, the, the caliber of those guys against somebody with a known caliber like you. I mean, we all know you send it, but it's just a whole new world, right? Like different. I would love and- to go right at those guys. I was trying to do a BC trip on Sunday, actually. But of course, the border closure and COVID yeah. has shut all my trips down for the foreseeable future. So, yeah. So, but hopefully. speaking of the aggressive bikes, um, we should probably mention that trail hardtails exist. I think mm-hmm. Pivot makes the less LES. Yes. Specialized has been delving more into this with their more cross country oriented hardtail. Yeah. Get into it like a more like a 67 to 68, almost 69 head angle. And I don't even have the right term. Is that now a cross country hardtail? I don't even know. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> It's a good question. It used to be that we defined hardtails based on head angles a lot um, or like cross country. 71, 73. Yeah, that was the jam. Yeah, but now, I mean, this is obviously not a um, hardtail, but you look at like the Norco Optic and, you know, it's got this super slack head tube angle. But by all accounts, I'd say that's like a cross country bordering on trail bike, you know? And the same thing's happening with hardtails. and it's definitely, yeah, I think we're probably leaning more towards the mid plus 60s, if you will, like 67, 68, 69 probably is the top out these days. 
Um, okay. Unless you're like full into the cross country race area, at which point I think you're going to still be in those 69 and up uh, okay. kind of thing. So um, I th- honestly haven't paid any attention to the cross country race bikes for the last two three decades, <laughs> no, last decade and a half. <laughs> well, and it's definitely not my category either, but it is impressive to watch. Like I remember, you know, go back 10 years and watching cross country races. And while they were impressive riders in their uh, power delivery, their efficiency, all that, it was not all that impressive to watch a lot of these courses because they were pretty tame. It was like, it, almost like gravel riding in a sense, right? Like really mellow compared to what you were watching on downhill races and stuff. But yeah. modern modern cross country races are getting rowdy and yes, big time. Like you know, people are rock and dropper posts because it's almost a necessity Faster. at this point, yeah. right? Yeah, and like that's a big deal because when you're taking a weight penalty of you know an additional half pound to pound on your bike. Uh, it says something about the course. And so even these race machines are getting really capable. I mean, Nino Scherter is always the one you look at, right? Who you're just like, how does that guy ride so fast and hit stuff that's truly, I mean, like I would say people on trail and even all mountain bikes might pull up to some of these things and go, uh, uh, maybe, or let me think about it. Totally. Oh man, I'm blanking on his name right now. There's a fellow across the border in Southern BC who rides for Pivot. And he did, they posted a, a shredit of him riding on his cross country hardtail, just sending it, not like necessarily massive, huge jumps, but riding so incredibly well technically. And yeah. he had some really cool drifting corners where he was sprinting, pedaling while drifting through these downhill corners. Jeez. Oh man, that looks so rad. I'm not usually like this massive, huge pivot fanboy, and I've mentioned him twice in the last five right. minutes, but that edit, I remember being watching that and being like, oh wow, home skillet can rip. Yeah. And you know, Scherter's known for being an incredible bike handler. So it's, it's interesting to see that these guys have kind of, that style of riding is now more important than simply raw VO2 max numbers. Like the numbers were 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, and the courses are, are reflecting this as well, yeah. which is awesome. It makes it more exciting to watch for, for sure. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of kind of that growing market and the, and the increased capability of cross-country bikes as totally. such, you know. I just checked for that specialized head angle. It's on the Epic. It's a 68 and a half for okay. the Epic. And yeah. my wife used to race an Epic hardtail when we first started dating. And I think that thing felt terrifying. I felt like it was a 79 head angle. Right. I'm sure it was like a 71. But just yeah, a so that's 90 a, degree with the ground, basically. Oh, it was terrifying. <laughs> yeah. She would shred on it. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, that it's crazy how much they've changed in just the last couple of years. It's been normalized to have that little more aggressive geometry, which is pretty darn cool. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely a good thing. And it... it kind of opens the door for people to look at hardtails as an option too because you can get into a trail hardtail that's still super fun. Um, I you know Pink Bike's been doing this affordable bike series and they've had a couple of hardtails on there um, that, you know, honestly look like a ton of fun and they're riding good. Like the Torrent? Yeah, they have the Torrent. They had the uh, Hanzo on there from Kona. And they're riding some rowdy trails and it legit looks fun, you know? And so um, the beauty of a hardtail too is that 
bang for the buck, you can get more, you know, you, totally. you take a several hundred dollar rear shock out, you reduce the amount of linkages and all that kind of stuff, simplify the build process. And now you can have a nicer wheel set or a, a better drivetrain or something. Um, Although at the same time, a lot of hardtail fans like getting less for more because they pay a lot more money and they get this crazy lightweight bike. So it's don't true. Overestimate that aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just no. like with helmets. Yep, yep. <laughs> so it, it's it's a lot of fun. Um, we picked up Marin this year uh, as well, and they've well, I guess it's almost been more than a year now, but um, they've got an amazing line that covers all these kind of stuff too of, of like aggressive hardtails all the way to like cross country stuff and like everything affordable and in between. And it's been really fun having that brand because we're seeing um, customer feedback and stuff of just like the cool things they're doing, photos of where they're going, how they're riding. And it's just cool because I think it opens the door for just more riders and a a bigger variety of riders, right? Like not everyone totally. has to be New World Disorder, um, but you can if you want to on a hardtail. Man, so. I need to look at the the Marin hardtails, but man, that Hawk Hill is such a cool bike. That has nothing to do with this episode, but we'll talk about the Hawk Hill later. So. Yeah, yeah. No, there's definitely a, a couple of cool ones. The Pine Mountain, the San Quentin is the one I think I would pick if it were me. Um, okay. Orbea has that Laufey, uh that's pretty I've rad. been hearing about it, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, there's definitely, I mean, there's just a lot more cool hardtails going on these days, and I'm a fan. Um, who do you think, if, if we're talking, like, obviously, I tend towards full suspension bikes, although I have my love of hardtails, uh, who do you think is the person who's like primed or the perfect candidate for a hardtail. Like I got two people in mind right, right away. Cool. So first up, person who's young, still has cartilage in their back and knees. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Usually the young people don't have the money for a fancy full suspension bike and they've got a little bit less experience riding. So it's a great time to build skills. They're still mm -hmm. pliable. So, you know, riding the rigid bike is good and they'll just make a better foundation for later on in life when they do succumb to the wonders of full suspension. <laughs> the other person and Ah, I'm starting to feel like this guy sometimes. It's the guy who's kind of bored of his local trails, who's not challenged by the blues, the blacks, whatever that's locally inaccessible. It's just not that exciting anymore. For that guy or girl or person who wants to get after it and turn up the volume a little bit, but not can't drive or whatever, then a hardtail can be a great way to make your old trails way new and exciting. And that's yep. one of the best reasons to own more than one bike. Cause we do get sick of trails. You do break bike parts too, but mm -hmm. I don't know. I get sick of some of my trails pretty quick. Hence why I built that Mojo tie up a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And not to stray way out of the mountain bike realm, but this is actually one of the reasons that I have a gravel bike is oh, sure. the trails that I were, um, most easily accessing from my house and stuff were not very interesting trails, but you put it, you get a gravel bike that's less than ideal for <laughs> getting rowdy on and, yep. and you try to get rowdy on it and it's super fun. Um, totally. And so underbiking is actually something I'm, I'm a full advocate for because it does create a new experience for something you've done over and over and over. 
fully, so, which is great for this time with the whole COVID nineteen pandemic. Under yeah, minds. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So um, I like I like your two people, and I think those are the exact ones. Um, I want to revisit a statement you said in there sure. about skill building. Okay, and let's talk about what skills are actually being built, both from a hardtail and a hardtail single speed that might Ooh. be different than what you're getting on your full squish. Sure. Well, the biggest thing I've noticed for skill building is that, you know, of course you have to pick smoother lines on the hardtail. Mm -hmm. And then you notice when you haven't picked a smooth line very quickly, you notice, but that brings up the main thing is that it's very apparent when you do something wrong on a hardtail and yeah. it's very apparent when you do something right. And that really comes into play when you're pumping and jumping. Mm -hmm. If you can get your pump right with a hardtail, it's amazing how much more speed that'll generate than when you pump on a full suspension bike. Yeah. Same goes for pumping a jump and trying to boost it and get air. If you time it right, you're going to go so much higher on the hardtail than you'd go on a full squish bike. So it's just like, whoa, I got that correct. And so you know that you're, oh, I'm timing this well. I, this is good. And it, it makes it very apparent. Whereas with the full suspension, it's more subtle and muted and it's harder to tell. Yep. So you don't really get the feedback you need to really learn how to improve yourself. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed um, in spending a lot of time at our pump track is people will roll up on their full squish bikes when they're kind of new to the pump track. Sure. And they'll get around, but you, you can tell there's like a, a lack of efficiency in their lap, right? And mm -hmm. so often, prior to COVID, I'd hand my bike over to them and be like, hey, try this hardtail dirt jumper out, yeah. you know? And they do, you know, a couple of laps and you could see their ability to read the, the rollers and the timing and to match that up with their legs improve in, I mean, just a matter of two, three laps. Totally. And then what was always interesting is when they'd get back on their full squish, they were more efficient on their full squish because they now had that body feedback that they knew uh, from the hardtail. And I remember this... Um, on the trails back in Illinois when I was there, you know, um, we were, there was actually several of us riding hardtails and it, you definitely learn to read the trail and just kind of eke every little power you can out of every little bump and, you know, jump and all that kind of stuff and just find the flow of the trail. Um, and man, that played out even like we definitely saw it when we'd go back to full squish bikes on those same trails, you felt faster, more nimble, you were doing things. Um, and I, it also forced our creativity because, uh, yeah, you have to choose different lines or you, you don't have to, but it definitely changes how the trail is, is, uh, working with you basically. Yeah. And so then you'd, you'd go back to your full squish again and the line that you wouldn't have seen on your full squish because you could just kind of monster truck through it. Now you're like, oh, no, I will hit that with this. And I know there's a little pop here or a little bump or whatever. So it, it made me better at reading the trail. Totally. Um, for know, sure. And you learn to interpret that better. So, yeah. I agree 100% on that. Man, I've, I remember seeing so many threads on the internet forums years ago. I'm a beginner. What bike should I get? And all these old school guys being like, get a hardtail. It's how you really learn. And there's this huge contingent of folks saying like, why would you make a newbie suffer? That's why cycling's a terrible sport. Everyone wants the other person to suffer. And it's like, well, if you really want to learn, you need feedback. So, eh, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it's good to start on a hardtail. 
Yeah, well, and I'm I'm maybe an anomaly in that often uh, on my hardtail single speed, I was also running uh, flat pedals, which <laughs> I'm pretty sure when I was on the single speed or death Facebook group that they thought I was a complete idiot for that. But <laughs> I, you know, I loved it. And it's funny because I actually think it improved my pedaling even more huh. because I had to be very cognizant of how yeah. I was scooping my feet and stuff like that. So again, it's just, you know, when you challenge your your body to do something in, in an easy way um, or in a harder way uh, versus the easy way. It just, you compensate and you learn and you adapt and you become better for that. So like my jumping skills got better. My cadence yeah. got smoother. My flow on the trail was better. And and all of that, I think, was definitely my hardtail uh, and the single speed and that kind of stuff. It's amazing how much easier they are to jump. And then like all this mm -hmm. monkey business of needing to actually move the bike in the air and nose it into the landing. Yeah. It's so much easier to get a smooth takeoff on a hardtail than on a full suspension bike. You have so much more control in the air when you're not got some weird monkey business with this shock rebounding and the whole bike compressing off the takeoff. So Yeah. And right now I'm actually experience, experiencing this because... Like I said, I'm kind of in between bikes, so I've got my dirt jumper, and that's about it. And I know you said I can wheelie the uh, gravel bike, but I've tried <laughs> that, and it's sketchy. Eh, uh, it's not that bad. Just lower your seat a little bit. Yeah, I, I tried. <laughs> it, it's gone poorly. Um, but because I'm in between, I have this dirt jumper with a super slam seat. I just can't even mm -hmm. get it into a good position to do a wheelie. So what I've been doing is going out to uh, the field out by our house here and uh, just working on manuals. And cool. I've worked on manuals with my full squish a ton. And this takes a little more to get committed to that balance point. But once you're there, the feedback is just more accurate. Yeah, and so much, I, it's not muted by the suspension compressing. Yeah, so I find that it's actually easier once I commit that that first part of getting up and over kind of that you know front wheel lift is a little harder but once I commit you're like oh there it is there it is and so I'm getting to the point where like I can manual pretty consistently for you know 15 feet uh, nice you know like it's getting there if you can go 15 feet you can go 150 feet oh <laughs> not yet I'm trying though <laughs> set your goal for doing 20 feet like do you have any traffic cones uh, I don't, but I've been using some stuff just to mark in the grass. Yeah, and, water yeah. bottles are great okay, impromptu yeah, yeah. traffic cones, too. They don't kill you if you fall on them. But, man, if you set up two and try to manual from one to the next and just set that your goal is go from this one to that one and no further and no yeah. shorter and just have a finite goal, then you'll, once you start doing it consistently, you make that goal another bike length longer. Yeah. It's like, well, if I already did two bike lengths, I could probably do three. And don't worry about going any longer. And that's how I... Everyone I know that's gotten better at manually, that's how we've all done it, is by nice. setting a new goal that's a little bit further, but making it repeatable. So it's like incremental, but noticeable and quantifiable gains. And yeah. I've always found it to be a cool trick that like trying to think about balancing is super hard. Mm -hmm. But once you like move that balance thought back into the back part of your brain, and you're no longer just concentrating on balancing, but you get something else to concentrate on all of a sudden it just starts to happen more on its own. Yeah, so for me, that trick of thinking about a, a goal or whatever was a lot better than thinking about the balancing. Yeah, kind of focus on where you're going instead of where you're at. Yeah, so. and it's also like one of the hardest things of a wheelie, full suspension or hardtail regardless, is going in a straight line, either mm -hmm. manual, wheelie. I just, they're all the same in my mind. So when you focus on that finite goal, you're way more likely to go in a straight line because you're looking at that finite goal in front of you yeah. rather than looking straight down or whatever. 
All right. All right. I like it. Hashtag, yeah. hashtag new goals. That's so. one of the secret tips in my Patreon tutorial. I should pump that right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, <laughs> honestly, if you guys haven't checked that out, head over to Jeff's Patreon. You can either go to Patreon and just search for Jeff, or you can find it through um, Jeff's own uh, personal website, uh, jeffkendallweed.com, or we actually have an athlete page in our blog where you can find all of this stuff. Dude, that athlete page is rad. Thanks for putting that together, Seth. Everyone, Seth wrote that whole page. He did a great job with it. I need to promote that page a bit more. That thing's cool. Yeah, so we've got that. You can find all the products that Jeff uh, rides, and we're adding to those as he tests out new things, like the Intense Taser. And that thing's cool. You've got the um, the Orbea Occam that you've been mm-hmm. showing off, and that's the one you're doing uh, your manual uh, tutorial on, right? You know, I haven't actually done... So thank you again for the shameless Patreon plug there. (laughs) The writing tutorials is a big part of what I've been doing, and it's growing. I'm going to start doing some virtual coaching pretty soon here. Nice. So I'll announce all that. But... um, yeah, the I, I don't actually have a straight... In my mind, like I said earlier, wheelies and manuals are kind of the same thing. You just stop pedaling when you manual. It's almost the exact same technique between standing mm-hmm. up and pedal wheeling versus manualing. You just stop pedaling. Yeah. But once you're really doing a stand-up wheelie correctly, it's the exact same balance as a manual. But um, I, I use the Occam for a how to manual through berms through turns berm. video. Yeah. yeah, which no one ever requested. No one ever <laughs> thinks about manualing through berm turns, but I thought it'd be fun to do one that's maybe not like our standard tutorial. Yeah. And folks liked it. And it, it's legit info. Like it's way easier to manual through a berm turn than you might think. Yeah. It actually like holds your bike in a nice little manual position kind of for you. So try okay. it sometime. It's not near. It looks cool, but it's, it's not that hard. All right. I'll give it a go. I'm not sure if I'm going to do it straight out of a jump like you did. Uh, that's, that's, that's quite a bit harder. But <laughs> even just manually out of a corner is a good way to get a feel for it. It's surprisingly natural when you get a good pump in a corner, the way it sets your bike into the manual. So yeah, yeah play yeah, around yeah. with it. It's kind of cool. For sure. Yeah. And it's actually something I've been kind of working on at the pump track because um, we have a couple of these perfect berms where you can push hard through the middle section to get that cool. that manual out of it. So, yeah. Working on it. But uh, Nice. Yeah. Um, we should probably talk more about hardtails. So have you yeah. ridden carbon, aluminum, and steel frames? I have been on all of them. Um, cool. I have had a carbon bike that was like a full-on cross-country bike. Um, and it's now old, but at the time it was a pretty relevant Jameis uh, bike. Um, okay. Great. Um, the carbon, you know, it's it's like you expect from carbon. So if you're familiar with it, with um, full squish, you'll you'll kind of have that same thing. It it definitely takes away some of the just chatter, the high frequency mm-hmm. vibrations. But I would not call it forgiving um, <laughs> in the sense of like steel. Steel is definitely one of the ones where, man, like you can truly feel the the softness of it and I don't mean that in a bad way it's not like noodly under you if you have a good mm. frame um, but man steel for all the little weight penalty you might take on it it's hard to argue with it because a good steel frame smooths out the the high speed chatter as well as the low speed kind of bigger hits um, and so for those people with older knees like myself uh, it's definitely a plus. Um, now, I did go to Thai with that Hey Duke. Um, yeah. The, the steel bike I was on was the um, Niner Sur 9, which I absolutely oh. loved that bike. And that was even before slack head tubes, although I did put on a longer travel fork and stuff to get some of that. Um, but the Advocate in the Thai had 
a lot of the feeling of steel minus the weight. Uh, but what's interesting with Thai is it it feels snappier. So when you okay. go to compress uh, leading into the lip of a jump or something, the steel kind of feels like it would you know, compress all the way through, whereas the tie feels like it unleashes as you go off the lip. Like it has and a so, faster rebound. Yeah, it's, it is exactly that, right? Like it just snaps you a little bit. So the first jump I ever did on that Hey Duke was a jump I'd hit 150 times before. And I almost went over the bars because Oof. when I pushed through the lip, it just snapped just enough that I ended up like, <laughs> you know, nose wheeling down the landing. Oh, and I sketchy. made it. But that was my first like experience on a Thai bike in that setting. I'd ridden like hard t- or, um, road bikes and Thai and stuff. But in that setting, it just snapped enough that I was like, oh, shoot, like that actually bucks. But what's rad about that is when you do want to get Cindy. It'll pop, like it'll truly send you. Um, and then I've been on a bunch of aluminum ones that I've built for friends over the years. And, mm-hmm. you know, aluminum, some of the benefits is it tends to be pretty lightweight um, and a very much affordable compared to the other frame stuff. Uh, steel bikes surprisingly can be pretty expensive, especially for the better steel. Um, but bang for the buck. They're hard to argue with. And yeah, there's a little more trail feedback, a little more chatter. But again, if people design the frames well, you can actually eliminate a lot of that issue uh, with the the chatter and stuff. And then add 29er wheels and maybe even just a little bit of a plus, you know, and plus, I mean, like a 2.5 tire or a 2.6. Yeah. And you can reduce that a ton. So, um, you know, if I were building one and I could just pick, I'd probably pick a high-end steel frame still. Okay. Um, and, you know, with a, a nicer, lighter, um, stronger steel. But if I were going for, you know, value for the money, for sure I'd go aluminum. Um, and Value for the money, aluminum. Yeah. So, wow. um, you know, like I... There's just a lot of really good aluminum bikes that just don't cost very much and you can get great parts. And to me, the parts are more important than the frame material in okay. this in this category. And that's not to take away from the characteristics of all the other frame materials. But, you know, if you can get a higher end fork on your hardtail, and I'm always going to run a suspension fork. I tried the rigid thing. It wasn't for me. <laughs> I'm um, with you on that. I like to jump too much. And I, yep. I, mean, I, don't, I, I just, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I get it. You know, if that's your thing, like you're all about wanting to, you know, be the most efficient dude out there. Cool. Uh, we knew this guy, Tom, back in Illinois, who just was unbelievably fast on his rigid single speed. And it was amazing. And he rode some pretty gnarly stuff. But at the end of the day, I wanted to be hitting all the jumps and the boosting little things and stuff. Yeah, it's not so much just the straight up jumping. It's like when you're landing in a pile of rocks or you're Mm -hmm. landing in a bunch of roots. And then the brakes, like you get so much less traction with that rigid fork. Yeah, yeah, I'm kind of over rigid forks. I do want to go back to the frame material real quick. Um, I've got some experience on various, on a couple of carbon hardtails, mm-hmm. and I thought it was interesting. So Ibis used to make a hardtail they called the Tranny. Mm-hmm. And before, like right when I first started working there, they gave me a prototype one to test out, and I gave it to my mom a little while ago. She's still riding it. Nice. But that carbon 26-inch wheeled frame with the Easton carbon seat post 
today is the most comfortable hardtail I've ever really ridden. Yeah. It's on par with the Mojo Tie that I have. That's also super crazy comfy. And I kind of wonder if the Mojo Tie would be more comfortable with the carbon seat post. Yeah. As opposed to the tie one that's on there. But I, I don't have any 27.2 carbon seat post and yeah. don't really want to deal with finding <laughs> one. But that thing was so plush. And then the, the DV9, which is a great bike, it's built to handle a bigger fork. It's built to withstand bigger jumps and everything. And it rode pretty rigid in comparison to both mm-hmm. the older tranny and the titanium one. So within like a given genre of frame materials, the way you utilize them can make the bike feel super different. Yeah. So like I've ridden aluminum hardtails that are so stiff that like I literally couldn't even bunny hop on them because it would hurt my back. Like they had yeah. this old Cortina frame with a 12 mil through axle and back huge one inch square tubing seat stays and chain stays gnarly bike and this is like 2003 yeah literally dropping off a curb would hurt it was so over the top rigid and the santa cruz chameleon is a fantastic hardtail i've ridden Mm -hmm. those for years and really like the geometry of those and those weren't overly harsh i generally got along with those on on longer rides so the way you utilize the material can play a big part of this too the stylus i have now though that thing's steel and it's i'm surprised at how comfy it is it's pretty close to the mojo tie yeah it's still you know it's it's interesting because, yeah, each material is going to have their characteristics that are innate to the material. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's some sorcery that goes on in actually designing it. I think um, to Banshee Bikes, right, they have several oh. hardtails in their lineup. And they do that whole boxed uh, chainstay thing where okay. the chainstays are actually like a rectangle shape. Uh, and they have, like, actual material vertically mounted in it so that you get vertical compliance but not horizontal compliance ah, so cool. it keeps the frame stiff but it keeps it uh you know squishy in the up and down axis so like <laughs> you know it's it really comes down to if these things are designed well they can be amazing but you can also take the best material in the world and make it ride terrible if you if it, if it doesn't go right right yeah, so. Dude, I'm with that uh, Chromag. I was worried because I know it's built around like a 160 travel fork, so it's super burly. So I was worried it was going to be crazy stiff, but mm-hmm. much plusher than anticipated. I didn't know Banshee still makes hardtails. I just googled them, and some of the results that popped up are their horrendous hardtails from the early 2000s, the, built those around like monster T forks. Yep, yep, those things were <laughs> crazy. They've come a long ways from then. Uh, they've got a actually a new one that's really nice. Uh, the oh man, I'm gonna blank on the name, but it looks super, super good. Does Jensen um, carry it? Uh, you know, I don't know if we do. We've carried Banshee a lot over the years. Um, yeah, and you know, uh, I'm not sure what our stock is right now on those. So, you know, I have uh, heard so many good things about Banshee bikes over the years. I've always been like the most recent, like say in the last six or seven years, they've really been on kind of the leading edge of geometry. And I've also heard the suspension is solid. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've had a lot of respect for those guys hearing that. And I've really wanted to try them, but I know literally nothing about who the company is in this day and age. Like I don't know anything about them, but I've heard the bikes are really good. So maybe if there's time and all that, maybe one day, hint, hint, I could try one of those. (laughs) We'll we'll see what we can do. (laughs) I I used to ride a Spitfire and a Rune and loved both those full suspension bikes. They were amazing. So yeah. um, Yeah. Um, Yeah. So let's talk about um, a little bit on the single speed side. Um, Yes. 
So we've talked about kind of the skills it improves with flow and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. In your quick experience with it, was it more fun or less fun on the trail? You know, it's so different. Recently, I put the I set the Chromeg up single speed, and I talked about how in the video that it's just the geometry was not really that dialed for single speed usage. Mm -hmm. And yeah, maybe that it's because I tube right. Yeah, yeah. I come from the old school. Like I honestly prefer single speeds more cross country. I don't really like dropper posts on single speeds. I'd rather just have a lightweight, super simple bike that's not about sending it. Yeah. And uh, you know, like I don't. I have a 73 seat angle on the Mojo tie. Mm -hmm. I think the tranny was about a 73 as well. And the saddle's just far enough back that it doesn't get in the way when you stand up and hammer up the steep yep. little hills. And then I run it, you know, a half inch, like centimeter lower than cross country height mm -hmm. all the time. So you get a little bit more power than you would with a little bit higher, but then you get more room to kind of move around and use some body English to muscle through things. So yeah. I found that surprising that the steeper seat angle didn't so much get along with the single speed usage. Yeah, I it caught me uh, uh, by surprise a little bit when I saw your video the first time. And then as you explained it more, I was like, yeah, that actually makes sense. You know, it's kind of yeah. all up in your business back there while you're trying to, you know, mash up the hills and stuff. Because there is a lot of out of the saddle riding on a single speed. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And also, I kind of feel like that the slack head angle was less of an issue. But it just might be I'm trying to put a shoe on that doesn't fit that style of geometry. No disrespect at all to that bike. That bike's incredible. It's just not designed around a single speed setup. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, for me, I found when I was single speeding primarily, go back to the Midwest with kind of rolly, punchy hill climbs, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I actually found that the single speed in a lot of ways was more fun. Oh, cool. Um, because it did... It made me have to like come up with a new skill that I had to perfect for in between the jumps or the tech or whatever. Sure. Was, you know, from from feature to feature, it added an aspect that was interesting and fun. Uh, with that being said, I loved that I could easily and quickly convert my Hey Duke back and forth. Ah, okay. Um, I, like literally five minutes and I could be from full geared because it was all external cabling and all that kind of nice. stuff. So super easy, just slap stuff on. I would literally remove the entire drivetrain in one piece, like not disconnect <laughs> anything. Yeah. Um, so is it, did the dropout come off so you could bring the chain out without popping the quick link? Yeah, like so cool. you could do the whole thing. It was awesome. So you could even run a belt drive at that point. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So it was super cool. I loved that that bike and um it it made it um super fun to go back and forth and you know, I just found that if I thought I was going to be spending a fair bit of time climbing or mm -hmm. even climbing things that um uh, they weren't necessarily long, but they were techie and I just didn't know what I was getting into. It was often nice to have those other gears for something I didn't know. Now, once I knew a trail, I was actually more prone to do it on my single speed and, you know, try to master that and stuff. Um, so yeah, I think single speeding builds a huge skill of timing your pedal strokes, Yeah, which for doesn't sure. really make sense at first, but then you're realizing like you have to pedal when you get the opportunity because if it's not too steep and you can actually fit in your pedal stroke, you better do it. And then you're also spinning all these different cadences. Yeah. So you're getting used to doing things that otherwise you'd never do, just making you more familiar with the whole pedaling idea. Yeah. On that note, we actually have a guy at Jensen who absolutely kills it on fixie bikes. 
And Uh-oh. I don't mean just on the road, <laughs> but like legit sending it on mountain bike trails on his fixed gear mountain bike. So and sketchy. <laughs> that is not my realm at all. And I used to ride fixies, but that's not my realm at all. But every time I watch him, I'm like, what in the, how are you so good at this? Like manualing things, going through tech, doing jumps and like boosting. Like, wheeling things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wheeling <laughs> things. You're right. That is the one time it's different, but uh, it's crazy. Is he running man. like a single front brake, no rear brake? I don't think he has any brake. Uh, oh, wow. I'd have That's to go gnarly. check his Instagram again. Yeah. But every time I watch, like, I'm pretty sure it's just all rear brake, but. Man, he absolutely kills it on the trails, and he's also super good on like a street motorbike and stuff like that. Um, he's just one of those guys who can wheelie for days. It's unbelievable. Nice. But yeah, man, like it's crazy the stuff that that you have to compensate for because of the limitations of of the mechanical system, you know? Yeah, and it makes you a better rider. So, and you um, just well, go every now and then you'll be on a bike ride. And someone's derailleur hanger will snap and you won't have a spare derailleur hanger that fits Mm -hmm. that bike or whatever happens, happens. And you have to rig a single speed to get home. So it comes up that you have to do it on occasion. It's just one of those things where if you've ridden an actual single speed and you're familiar with it, you'll be less likely to blow it and make mistakes when you're running a rigged single speed out of the woods back to your car in the dark. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, if somebody is a big fan of using their gear range, right? They mm-hmm. run from 11 to 46 or, you know, 10 to 50 or any of the combinations there. Is that somebody you would say, hey, maybe you should try a single speed? I don't know. I don't like telling people what to try and <laughs> what not to try, to be honest. <laughs> so my leaning is actually towards, yes, given the right areas, okay. right? Like it's, cool. With the caveat of if you live in a crazy mountainous area, maybe not. Um, But I found uh, for the people that I was working with in the Midwest, uh, often it actually improved not only their skills and stuff, but their fitness levels um, because they had to kind of, you're always engaged, right? Sure. There's no slacking off on a single speed. I mean, like, yes, you can coast, but if you coast... You got to be making sure you're maintaining that momentum because as soon as the hill shows up or the tech, like you got to have that. Um, And so I found that it actually really improved both fitness and skill for their riding on their geared bikes. Um, So I'm a big fan of like pushing people towards that. Now, with that being said, if you're, you know, a one bike sort of person, yeah, gears are great. You know, I still run gears and and love it. But But I also know people that started riding with gears and when they see a hill, they'll just automatically jam the chain all the way up to the lowest possible gear ratio. Yep. And then all of a sudden they're wasting time punching that thumb trigger and dropping it back down a few cogs. Yeah. Whereas if they have more experience on a single speed, like what you're saying, they know they don't necessarily have to go to that extreme to make it up that hill. Yep, exactly. And a lot of times you're actually less efficient as you're climbing those hills because you dropped it in too easy of a gear. Sure. And so instead of like just, you know, moving up one or two cogs, you've gone four and now you're less efficient and you can't actually go back very easily because you lost your momentum. So I think there's some good skills there for sure. Um, We'll touch real quick on just types of dropouts. Uh, You obviously had to use a a singulator Mm -hmm. to create the proper chain tension in there. there's a few others out there. There's sliding dropouts, eccentric hubs, um, where it actually, like, depending on how you clock the hub in your frame, it 
adds distance between your cassette or your cog and your chain ring. Yep. Uh, those, I think it's just pretty much white industry. Yeah, I was going to say, that. is it the Eno hub? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. So those are pretty cool. I've never actually used that, but I know a mm-hmm. lot of people who like them. Um, in my Niner, I had an eccentric bottom bracket, which does basically the same thing. Those can be a little bit on the creaky side if they're yeah. not perfectly maintained and stuff. So they can be a little bit tricky, but I had great luck with mine. Um, and then there's what's called magic gearing. Um, <laughs> magic gearing doesn't work on all frames, but basically you can go on the internet and look it up and they'll have you measure things and put in your chain uh, or your uh, cog size and your chain ring size. And it tells you basically how many links you need or what gear combination will work in order to make it a perfect fit. So even frames that aren't designed to be single speed can sometimes use this magic gearing because it just fits just right. What do you know what these websites are? Uh, you know, I don't, I honestly went to Google and just was like magic gearing. <laughs> um, if ever anyone wants to like get into the single speed world, um, there's a Facebook group called single speed or death. And it's probably, I think the largest group of single speeds in one area, but no they're, a, they're a treasure trove of knowledge. They're also an interesting group of people because pretty sure most of them aren't huge fans of us who run gears or suspension or... <laughs> But it was always entertaining, so. That's funny. Yeah. So now, what are your thoughts about single speed on a full squish bike? I realize that's a little out, but. You know, one of my favorite things about single speeding is it reduces the amount of clutter in the brain as you're riding. Mm-hmm. Like when I was doing 24, I only did a couple of 24 hour races, but I really like doing those on the single speed because mentally and trying to focus for that many hours, you just get so fried. Even on like a three or four hour cross country race, you're almost as mentally tired as you are physically. Yeah. And when you do that on a single speed, you're not thinking about shifting. It simplifies the ride that much. So I really like just the ultimate simple, hardtail, no dropper, single speed, bare bones. That said, I've never really tried a full suspension single speed intentionally. So maybe there's something there. Question for you, would you try one with or without a dropper post? Uh, I (laughs) generally tend not to want to ride bikes that don't have dropper post in any form. (laughs) Like even my gravel bike, I'm like, man, I should get one of those PNW posts on there. (laughs) Like, As a PNW athlete, yes, you should. Yes, I should. So, <laughs> hey, Aaron. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah, you know, like I, I'm a full believer in the dropper post, and uh, you know, you mentioned the single speed hardtail um, that you would run it without a dropper post, and I'm yeah. sitting there going, I'd absolutely put a dropper post on that thing. Um, but that's that's kind of because I find myself not. Uh, being able to turn off the fact that I want to, you know, try to jib things and uh, whatever. Yeah. And so I love that ability. The other thing that I've found is my, both my single speed hardtail and geared hardtail setups, I used a lot for taking my kid on rides in like that Thule front mounted seat thing that goes by the handlebars. Okay. Um, and now with the, um, the kids ride shotgun or, um, the Mac ride or whatever, having a dropper post in that situation makes everything easier. Yes, it does. Because when you're trying to load a 30 pound kid into a seat 
and you're like trying to stand in the middle of the frame or behind it or on the side, like it's all pain. Whereas if you can drop the seat down and just flat foot yourself onto the ground, everything's easier. And if you get to a stoplight with possibly uh, an uncooperative 30 pound kid on the handlebars, you got to put right? a foot down. It's a lot harder without a dropper. Yeah. So I'm a huge fan of droppers and I, I personally would run it on every bike. Now, with that being said, um, the... Hardtail Carbon, that Jameis that I had, mm -hmm. that was without a dropper originally. And I ran it that way a lot and I had some great times for sure, like super fast and everything. Um, but I ended up putting a dropper post on it and it was just more fun. So <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I kind of like the single speed hardtail setup for like the days that I just want to ride. No t-shirt, cut off jeans, shorts, maybe no gloves, <laughs> Love it. no backpack or anything. Maybe there's a bottle and some tubes or whatever on the bike. Just ultimate simple. I want to use lightweight tires. And if I put a dropper post on there, I'm going to start doing jumps and gapping through sections and doing like riding in a style that's not sustainable on that lightweight, it's kind of sketchy of a bike. And yes. I'm just, I've destroyed too much of that lightweight cross country product to really, to, I just, I, now I've grown up and matured and realized like, no, 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 no. Don't be <laughs> sending it on those light little tires. No, 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 no. And the, uh, without a dropper post, I can't. So it helped me kind of tone it back a little bit and be safer. So that's my perspective. On yeah. That. Yeah, for sure. I get that. I get that. Um, but you can I, send it with a high post. It's just, it's a different art. That's not safe or comfortable. I'm just laughing because <laughs> I, my friends and I have definitely been in that situation of like flip flops and shorts and, you know, like doing stupid stuff and it always bites us in the butt. So Shimano does make SPD Tevas. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. You haven't seen those? Uh, no, those are not my radar, but. Uh, oh man, they've been around for like 20 years. They're classic. Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of Tevas. Those and Birkenstocks and all that. <laughs> it's, it's just. I'm like a, a, a rainbows type of sandal guy. I grew up in Hawaii, so oh, like, that's right. I, yeah, I need I need flippers. You know, like my my rubber slippers is exactly how it goes. You know, <laughs> my flip flops and uh, yeah. not the Trustafari and SPD aspect. I can't can't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I moved to Oregon and all these people were wearing Birkenstocks, and I was like, "What is on your feet? <laughs> yeah, Socks weird. and Birkenstocks? Oh, it's the worst! It's the worst." <laughs> Uh, oh, my, my friend Ryan is always sending me pictures of his different Burks and like slide on sandals. And I'm just like, Oh, it's terrible. So <laughs> anyways, um, all right. So, uh, yeah, I think that kind of covers all the like gearing stuff for the most part. I mean, I think the only other suggestion I have out there is if you're new into single speeding, uh, loose, loose rule of thumb, a two to one ratio or approximately there is about what you want to look for in gearing. So if you're running a 32 chain ring, that would be a 16 tooth cog. If you need, if you're like, oh, I need this a little easier, go to like an 18 or something yeah. like that. Um, but that's I, for 26 inch wheels. I mean, yes, <laughs> yes. I ran 32, 16 on uh, most of my 29er stuff. And, wow, for um, the Midwest? For the Midwest, yeah. Okay, and, man, in and, California, I was two to one for life, like in the Sierra Nevadas and Tahoe, yeah. everywhere. Two to, man, oh, I couldn't. I've been trying going harder on the Chromag and stuff. All right, I tried. I went easier in the Chromag and found it to be still too high and went even yeah. easier. I had like a thirty-two nineteen and thought it was still too high for a lot of our steeper pitches. Yeah, and so it all depends on your area for yeah. sure. Um, what I had my friends do when we were trying to figure this out is I would have them ride their gear bike and just stick in a gear. And I will say it's not 
perfect because there is an efficiency loss by running everything through derailers and all that kind of stuff. But it will give you an idea and you can just count where you're at on your cassette mm-hmm. and figure out that. And that'll give you an idea of where you want to land there. But a, a two to one ratio is, is a solid, hard, but easy enough gear uh, often. So for the Midwest, for the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> and to, if your hills are steeper and stuff, you're going to, yeah, be able to either change your chain ring, which is a little harder just because you got to remove cranks for most people's crank setups these days, or uh, you can do cogs. And on cogs, um, I'm a huge fan of Chris King cogs. They've Those are been, nice. Those are very round. Yeah. They're in, incredibly tough. They last long. Um, they are beautiful, all that kind of stuff. Um I'm a huge fan. They are a little heavier than some of the other ones from like Niner or uh, Endless Bike Cogs um, Hmm. out of North Carolina. She's super rad. um, But uh, check her out on Instagram. I think it's Endless Bike Girl. Yeah, Um, I've definitely had interactions at that account. Interesting. Yeah, she's she's connected with like Industry 9 and stuff from back in the day and makes cool stuff. Um, We don't sell her stuff, but I think she's awesome. So shout out. Yeah. and uh, yeah, there's some really good options out there, but uh, personally, just for longevity um, and reliability and all that kind of stuff, the Chris Kings have been really hard to beat, in my opinion. So um, other than that, uh, Jeff, if you were to pick a hardtail, well, I think you already did, but if you were to pick a hardtail to ride for the next year or two as your setup... Would it still be your Chromeg, or would you look at some other options? The Chromeg's really good. I really like it for what I'm doing with it, which is more like trials, tricks at the rocks with my daughter when she's running and playing for a little bit of jumping, but mostly just trail riding and trialsing and goofing around. I like that thing. I'm going to try it with some different parts, and I'm going to keep that build blog going. Yeah. I don't know who makes a good cross-country single speed right now. I'm like thinking, and it's um, it might only be the smaller brands, to be honest, but I would love a Titanium 26 or 27.5 hardtail mm-hmm. built for single speed, and I would love to set that up with like a 120 fork, maybe 100, probably 120 fork, and just yeah. keep it super simple, but I don't even know who makes that bike anymore. Yeah, it's, uh, it's probably a little harder to find these days. Uh, luckily, there is a pretty strong and vibrant custom frame builder community. Um, the only thing is if this is your first entry into hardtails, <laughs> that's probably a big ask. Although those guys and gals who are doing that are brilliant at what yeah. they do. Like they know. So they, if you tell them approximately what you're looking for, they can get you cool stuff. Um, what about you? What are your top hardtail choices? Yeah. So I, I thought about this quite a bit and I'm struggling on my answer. I think, I think it would probably be that Orbea Laufey. Because uh-huh. it kind of straddles the trail, all mountainy stuff. Like it's a little more rowdy, um, but still pretty efficient. And just, I think it's pretty. Like I know that's silly, but I like looking at pretty bikes. Uh, <laughs> if you're stoked but, on a bike because it looks good, it'll make you want to ride it more once you own it. Yeah. So it's it's pretty rad. Um, like I said, that San Quentin looks like a, a hell of a bike, especially for the price. Um, but the the bikes that the bike that's really throwing a wrench in my thought process on this is that Norco Torrent. Ah, um, yeah, like the Norcos are just super cool. Like I I'm hyped on them for both full squish bikes and uh, I'm actually looking at some future kid bikes for my kid uh, because they have just a really cool lineup. 
But that torrent, like, just speaks to my soul of, like, I want to go get stupid on the trail, you know, try to do things that are out of my element. Uh, so I think that's that's the one that throws me off a bit. But it is not a pedal machine. Like, in fact, if you saw the Pink Bike review on it, I think they just released that today. Um, it, they said it was fun, but it is not their five-hour ride machine. Yeah. And so, you know, like... Uh, I, I still look at it and just go, yeah, that thing looks fun. And then, as always, I mean, the the Chromags are just hard to argue with. Um, we have several people at Jensen who have been on Chromags, left Chromag to go to other bikes that were really well recommended, and have come back to Chromags because the quality of steel and everything is just so good on them. So, nice. and price isn't so bad either. So, cool. I think that covers most things about single speeds. Do you have yeah. anything else? That's the majority of it. We were going to mention about pedal choice, and I've been a lifelong clipless pedal user, yeah, loved them yeah. on the hardtail, and I have recently converted to flats, and I'm surprised at how rideable the flats are on the hardtail. Yeah. You so know, it's that's really opened my eyes. Go ahead. I think it is visible, and I think I actually saw a few comments on your vid- videos. I think it's visible how much you've improved on techie climbs. Oh, not, thanks. Not from like a, a pedal to pedal, but in the flat pedal arena. Because you were always really good on your clips in tech climbs. Um, now it looks like, like if you went back, say, five videos ago, you could see that you were struggling on a few that you would normally make. And now it looks like you're making the same type of climbs that you were on your your clips so thanks it's getting it, a lot closer there's one in sedona that i spent like two hours one day trying to make and yeah. i couldn't get it and it's always the same problem for me with flats hardtail or full suspension that's what i'll get to like a root or a rock or something that i want to pedal over and yeah. my feet will just blow off both pedals and uh, yeah, with yeah. clips i would just still be attached because the amount of resistance is more than like my body weight or whatever i don't know the physics of it but yeah pedaling over the bumps is still my biggest hang up but trying to learn how to pedal with your heels dropped Super awkward, but I'm trying to do more down dogs and get those Achilles stretched out so that it's possible. Nice. So thanks for noticing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember when I switched to flats. Um, again, this happened in Illinois. It was um, Francis Sabato at MTBR was doing one of the flat pedal challenges. And so I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I remember like my calves just being so sore after a few rides because oh, wow. I was... I was working on dropping those heels Mm -hmm. and like I realized I just didn't ride that way. Um, But yeah, I'm definitely a flats person, um, but I I definitely uh, spent a fair bit of time, especially on my single speed with my clips. Um, But it was all based on the type of ride. So if I knew I was doing longer rides or, you know, we were with a group of guys who were faster or whatever, um, I would definitely go with the the clips um it just it's more efficient and on the hardtail it's actually kind of nice being able to kind of pick things up and really put uh precision into where you place the rear end of the bike so i actually really like clips for that aspect but at the end of the day i i converted to uh, flat pedals and i learned those techniques and they are different but i learned them and now i have a hard time going back so yeah, I'm yeah. blown away at how rideable a hardtail is with flats. I never expected that to be possible years yeah. ago. <laughs> it's it's yeah. not that bad once you're used to it. 
Yeah, and you know, some of that has to do with really good pedals. Um, I'm surprised yeah. at, that you were like, "Oh, these pins aren't as bad as I thought." On those, they're pedals. not that big. I need to measure them compared to the Shimano's because honestly, they don't feel that different than the new Shimano pins. So, okay, everyone's like, "The, the Daga pedals are great. I'm, I'm stoked on them." But the new XT pedals in the bigger size are basically my favorite pedals right now. The DAG is a little bit grippier, but it's not quite as comfortable in that the the metal is so thin on the Daga. Your yeah. foot kind of pushes in a little bit, which eh, it's more grip, but it's also not quite as comfy on a long ride. These yeah. XT pedals have a bigger overall, have a, then they've got two sizes. I used to use the small size, now I use the bigger. They're a little bit thicker than the Daga, and that's where they kind of give it up. But man, yeah. be, Besides that, the pin height's not that different, and oh man, so much grip, so. Yeah, well, I do have to say, I think Shimano stepped up their game huge in the flat pedal market in the last yeah. year. Prior to that, I'd run a few, like I'd run the Saint pedals and stuff, and they were good. The um, older Saints or the newer yeah, ones? The older ones, okay. yeah. Um, so the newer were... Saints and the newer XTs are almost the same pedal, but the XTs are bigger. The yeah. platform is bigger, and they've got a little bit less material, so your foot does go in a little more, so I find a tad more grip on the new XTs and the Saints. Yeah, and I, I think the new pedals look fantastic. Um, I've been running the 1UP Composites as my primary pedal. and You know, I'm not the, as into those. They're convex. My foot comes off too easy. So that's what's funny is for me, I tried concave pedals. I ran yeah. several different ones uh, from Race Face, like the Chesters and a few others. I had some... Uh, deities and stuff like that. And I loved all these pedals. They all had good features. But what I found is for my foot, I preferred the convex. And it's because when I'm riding, I actually curl my toes wow. a little. Okay. And so it helped me with the scoop of like lifting the rear end and all that. What shoes um, do you use for that? Um, so I'm currently on 510s, but I am actually Which making... Which 510s though? Oh, Freerider Pros. Oh, really? Uh, huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's been my, my go-to. Um, but I'm actually making the switch uh, over to RC and Ride Concepts, well, Chad. Right on. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Uh, one of my good buddies is over there, um, and so he's been pushing me to get on those for a while. And I, my, I told him I basically was like, okay, when my five tens wear out, and they're basically <laughs> worn out. So, um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm excited to to try those out, but. For yeah, for whatever reason, I like a convex pedal, but I had friends who tried the one ups and hated them for the exact same reason that they yeah. were convex and they liked a concave. Some people like them flat, so you know, personal preference and totally, you figure out what works for you. Um, yeah, we could do a whole episode on pedals and shoes. Maybe we should do it. I think we did one on flats versus clips, but we could do another because things have changed in the last year yeah. or two. Yeah, yeah. There's so many pedals on the market now too. Like there's good good options all the way around. So, but uh, I think as a closing statement, like if you have the ability to add that N plus one bike and you're considering a hardtail, a single speed. My personal preference or my personal recommendation for you is absolutely if yeah. you can do it, you know, like if you're not in that situation, like don't feel like you need this bike, but hardtails are great for skill building. They're great for efficiency. They're great for honing in your, uh, especially in single speed version, but honing in your fitness levels and all that kind of stuff. And it makes you a better rider on your full squishes in techie chunk, all that kind of stuff. You just become a better rider for being on these. Um, if you're looking, like Jeff said, if you're looking for that first bike or uh, you know, you're thinking about your budget and you want to get the most bang for the buck, 
I'm absolutely advocating for these. Um, so there, that's kind of my take on hardtails is that everyone should at least have one in their history of bikes. Yep. I currently only have my dirt jumper, but... But you it, wish you had a hardtail. I, I do. Like I legit, <laughs> like I saw Jeff's video and I was like, I might need to buy a Chromag. <laughs> then COVID happened and I kind of uh, went, maybe I'm going to just hold off on buying for just a second because. No, you should get a Chromag. It's the perfect <laughs> COVID bike. Cause now all these blue and green trails are going to be fun in a new way. Yep, and yeah. once the COVID thing is kind of passed over and we can send it again, then you got a great hardtail for the aggressive trails. Yeah. Well, there you go. My plan is still to get them, but I, uh, it, we're just going to, you know, hesitate for a second since, uh, I just want to make sure like life is not going to throw me a loop here, but, uh, yeah, you know, like I think it, it is going to happen again. My wife's kind of, uh, committed to getting into riding this year and we're looking at a couple of different full squishes, but I cool. think it also would be really good to make sure she spends some time on a hardtail. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I can't imagine that I won't have one in the next year. Um, and obviously Jeff has at least a couple here, um, <laughs> of varying types, but yeah, I think that's kind of my take. Awesome. Any closing, any closing thoughts from you, Jeff? Life short, ride as much as you can, hardtail, full suspension, whatever you can do. But if, man, if you have fun local trails and you're enjoying them, but then after a while it's kind of the same and you want to make it new again, definitely mm -hmm. consider the old hardtail. Yeah, for I sure. Wouldn't, I wouldn't say go get the fanciest hardtail you can. Like, that's an okay bike to skimp on a little bit. Because mm -hmm. a lot of folks probably will end up riding their full squish more. But, man, that is a good, as you said, M plus one. That's a good secondary bike to have in the, in the shed. Yeah. Now, okay, before we drop out then, one question. If you were going to say where to skimp and where to not skimp on For a hardtail. For a hardtail. What, what item or a couple of items would you say, eh, don't worry so much about that, but definitely focus on this. For me, hardtails absolutely destroy wheels because mm -hmm. you don't have that extra bit of giving back. So I would say make sure you've got a decent wheel set. I don't care what the drivetrain is. I would make sure the cranks are strong. I would mm -hmm. not do lightweight carbon cranks if you're building an aggressive bike. And I would also not do cheapo cranks. I would make sure it's something with a good, high-quality bottom bracket. Mm -hmm. Brakes aren't such a big deal, I don't think, on the hardtail. Um, and you know the suspension? I, I'm not really that inclined to spend top dollar on the fanciest fork for a hardtail. It's the only suspension you have on there, but yeah. I mean, yeah. at the same time, you don't have much suspension to work with, so I don't know. I, I think wheels and tires take it for me. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, Drivetrain, you can get... Uh, you know, budget level drivetrains that are still really good. Yeah. Uh, same thing has happened with suspension. Like I look at the new Marzocchi stuff. That oh, that stuff's solid. Is, it's so good and yeah. it's so affordable. And uh, and that's not the only stuff. There's a bunch of other good options out there. So, you know, like you're reducing the capabilities of this bike in a sense anyway from a full squish. So it's not that fork is not going to be the thing that hinders you if it's not just totally dialed in perfect, yeah. perfect rebound and everything. But absolutely, cranks and, and um, wheels are vital because you are just going to be harder on them and it's going to be harder on your body in translation. Yeah. So you want to have something that is you know, going to support you well. It's going to be there, not going to break off. Um, you, know, you don't want to lose pedal inserts or anything like that. So <laughs> bad news bears. Yeah. Um, 
And man, Kushcore could be worthwhile too. I, I really like the way that stylus is riding. It has Kushcore in it. Last year, and I rode the DV9, it did not have Kushcore, but it's a 29er. Yeah. I don't have a good AB comparison, but man, thus far, that bike's good, and I'm wondering how much that is Kushcore. So, new video yeah. coming up in a little while. How much of a difference does Kushcore make on a hardtail? So, yeah, and have to uh, get that done. Related, I actually haven't watched this video yet, but I just saw a kind of cohort of yours, a, a person in your realm, um, PNW rider as well. Kyle Warner has a new video checking out the Kushcore, uh, like Enduro or whatever series versus huh. the cross country. Oh, stuff. that's cool. So, yeah, that's I sweet. haven't watched it yet, but Kyle's rad and he, yeah, he's a good guy. Hell of a rider too. So definitely. Um, yeah, cool. All right. Well, I think that wraps things up. Uh, thanks for joining us again. I, we know it's been a long time. Just uh, life has come at us fast this year. 2020 yeah. has been interesting. <laughs> but Jeff and I have several more episodes uh, kind of in the hopper, ready to kind of go. We just have to do the time to make these. So hopefully you'll come back and join us for more episodes. Uh, it, I'm not sure where you're finding us today, but if you found us here on SoundCloud or whatever, we are also on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, are we on Last FM now? I think we're like there's. You can find Kendall versus Kendall on all the major players now. Yeah. Um, so find us on your favorite player. Add us to your subscriptions. We'll be dropping more episodes. Uh, be sure to follow Jeff. You can find all of that information. Um, on Jensen USA and just find the blog thing. You'll see it right there. Uh, or you can head over to uh, Instagram, Facebook, all those things. Jeff Kendall Weed, give him a search. Uh, and be sure to check out his Patreon because that helps to support the creation of more content from this totally. rad gentleman. Riding tutorials. And if you so. don't have the links to the Kendall vs. Kendall podcast, it's at the bottom of the Jensen USA homepage. And I've oh, got yeah. a tab on my own website dedicated to the podcast as well. Yeah, so you can find us all over. Yes. And uh, we'll be there. And if you find me on Instagram, good sleuthing on you, because, <laughs> yeah, it, I'm there. But uh, it's also mostly just pictures of my kids and van <laughs> renovations, so it's not very interesting, <laughs> just so we're clear. So. I like your Instagram, Seth. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I yeah. want to see more content of the new kid. Ah, yeah, I know. I need to get on that. I have a bunch of pictures of him. He's... Dude, it, he's so different from the first one. Uh, Danger is my first kid. Um, that's his middle name, not his first name. But uh, Yeah, the first picture I saw of him, he had a broken leg, the cast. Yeah, thanks to his mom and a trampoline. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. But uh, yeah, he uh, Danger is a super calculated kid, really smart, um, super talkative and just crazy friendly, uh, but very meticulous. And uh, Bravery, who's the second kid, he is um, loud and aggressive and like trying to walk and like he's got no fear and stuff. So oh, it'll be no. interesting to watch the two of them. <laughs> cool. Anyways, yeah, so there'll be more. We'll probably have some content on Jensen with us doing some kid rides. And I'm looking forward to that episode, Jeff. I already am voting for us doing a um, kids bikes and carriers. Episode. Yes, yes. Maybe so. that's the next one. Maybe that's next week. Okay, I'm down. So. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Cool. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining us. And as always, remember, keep pedaling. Bye, guys. <laughs>